Okay, talk about forgiveness tonight. Seemed like a good way to follow up talking about the atonement. <laughs> is, is he okay? Okay. All right. Um, number one, God has forgiven us. And I put here, through the atoning work of Jesus, God has forgiven us all our sins. Well, that's a blessed <laughs> blessed truth, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to look at a, a couple of passages here, or a few, um, that, that just kind of, there's many, many that you could go to. But um, Isaiah 53, 4, for example, 4 through 6, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like, like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So already there you've got, he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. In verse 4, he was pierced for our transgressions. Verse 5, he was crushed for our iniquities. Um, and with his wounds we are healed. In verse 6, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Down in verse 8, the latter part of the verse, he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And I, I, I know you know, I failed to mention it, but I know you know, this is talking about Jesus, <laughs> right? This is a prophecy in Isaiah concerning, um, concerning the Lord. And uh, it's got to be a very puzzling prophecy for uh, uh Jews, uh, and I read a little bit and different things that they had to say on it, but it got you know it got to be very puzzling. All right, um, verse ten. And yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. Notice that when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So he's made an offering for guilt in our behalf. Verse 11, out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. So there you've got um, what uh, is fulfilled by way of imputation of, of Christ's righteousness to us. And then, of course, um, Make, make many to be accounted righteous and shall bear their iniquity. He's, he takes our sin away by bearing our sin like we talked about last week. And then verse 12, Isaiah 53, 12. <clears throat> Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Um, yet... He bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Amen. So, through the, through the atoning work of Jesus, God has 
forgiven us our sins. I, I gave you a few more here that are listed here. Um, just make some reference to this. Matthew 20, 28. Um, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, of course, the idea there is, um, uh, has to do with our redemption, which involves forgiveness of sins. In fact, the next verse that I've got listed here, Ephesians 1, 7, this is one that I've always... Um, that I've liked for years as a, as a good summation of the gospel. I always, I've put this one on my business card for years and years, Ephesians 1, 7, because uh, it says a lot in few words. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Um, somebody want to read Colossians 1, 14 for me? Somebody look that up. It's very similar. Yes. Go ahead. Colossians one fourteen. Amen. All right, very similar. In him, and again Ephesians one seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So in him we have redemption. Through his blood, reference to his death, just like we just read about in, in, uh, in uh, Isaiah, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So it's through the, through the uh, atoning work of Christ that God has uh, forgiven us according to the riches of his grace. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This one's interesting. I included this one because it's, it's, it's talking about an ongoing, um, ongoing event. I mean, it's still, this, is, this is still happening. It's kind of like, as a matter of fact, it was even hinted to back in, uh, in Isaiah uh, when it talked about him making intercession for us. Yet he bore the sin of many, Isaiah 53, 12. He bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So, um, Christ still intercedes for us. We know that from uh, New Testament passages as well, like, uh, like here, 1 John 1, Hebrews 7, Christ in Romans 8, Christ, Christ is always making intercession for us. Um, why does he need to do that if we were forgiven? Back there somewhere. It seems like to me the answer is that it's just all part of a whole. Um, in other words, this is part of the atoning work of Christ. And what, what, um, what Jesus did at Calvary um, continues in this sense that he's constantly making intercession for us and, as John says here, um, forgiving us, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, representative, advocate. The, the, in fact, John uses the term advocate. Um, paraclete, paracleton. He's our, he's our advocate with, with the Father. Same word that's used of the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's always interceding for us. That's good news. And John says if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us 
our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's, that's ongoing. Uh, our sins are forgiven um, on a continual basis. Good to know. Um, and I included this, Luke 23, 34, just to, just to show the, the extent. <laughs> to, I mean, because for us, the, the, the extremity to which he goes with his forgiveness here, his mercy, while suffering on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this is, this is while he's suffering at the hands of, uh, of those that he's praying for forgiveness for. And you, we'll see shortly, Lord willing, we, um, this coming week we're supposed to be looking at um, Stephen's sermon in Acts 7, or at least part of it. We'll pick it up, and you, you'll see that Stephen does the same thing as they're stoning him to death. He extends that same kind of mercy. Prays for it, following in in uh, following the Lord's example. That's pretty extreme, isn't it? When they're killing you, and you're praying, Father, forgive them. All right, and that brings us to the second part. We are commanded to forgive. So. Why is it, um, let me just start out with kind of a question here. Why is it important? Why is this important? Why is it important for us to be forgiving? Say it again, louder. <laughs> or I'm going to go get a mic. <laughs> because he forgave us. Amen. Miss, Miss Linda? Amen, amen, amen. Here's the deal. Forgiveness, it, it's, this is the heart of the gospel. It's, this is the gospel. I mean, what, what we just read in Isaiah 53, Ephesians 1, 7. Christ forgave us. Now, think of all the implications there. I mean, before we even get into this, this next part. In other words, here we are. A lot of times we say, you know, I, I, don't deserve, I don't deserve God's grace, but do we really understand that we don't deserve God's grace? Do we really understand? When we talk about being sinners, do we really understand what that means? When we talk about God for forgiving us while we were yet sinners, um, deserving His wrath, do we really believe that? See, God forgave us uh, while we, in truth, um, deserved His His wrath. Again, an example of that is Luke twenty-three thirty-four. Here, here Jesus is being crucified. And he could, just, just like he told um, the disciples, you know, I could call on 12 legions of angels down right now. He, he could have done that. He could have wiped that whole place out. And instead, you find him praying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The forgiveness of God in Jesus is the standard by which we are to forgive. This is why it's important. That is, 
we are commanded to forgive one another as he forgives us. Now, that, that's the highest possible standard right there. We're, we're commanded to forgive as he forgives us. And I'm going to give you a, a few passages here. In fact, if you would, turn to uh, Ephesians 4. I want to look at some of the language here. Some of the thought. Um, Ephesians 4. Look first at verse 1. I've got on the sheet here, I've got um, verse 32. But I want to look a little bit ahead of that. Look ver- first at verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, what calling is he talking about? Is he talking about somebody who's called to preach or something like that? He, he's talking about every Christian. We're called to be um, disciples of Christ in this world. We're called to be, Miss Linda said, um, is a, forgiving is important because it make, it's becoming more like Christ. That's what we're called to be, more like Christ. We're, he's conforming us to his image. So we're called to be Christ-like in this world. So Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Notice how he, he uh, now he, he begins to give some description. He fleshes that out some. And it's not about hairdos and, um, you know, kind of clothes you wear or something like that. Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, that's the, uh, that, that term always gets my attention, that's the, the term is macrothumia. It, it, it's, it means long, um, long-tempered. I like that term because I think of the, it helps me understand it when I think of the opposite of it, short-tempered. <laughs> and so Paul says you're to be long-tempered, not short-tempered, and that's why it's translated patient here. In other words, it has to do with dealing with people and being long-tempered in our uh, in our relationships, and our dealings with one another. Patient. Patient. Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Um, let me skip down some here. Verse 29. Skipping over a lot of good stuff here, but I'm just trying to touch on some high points here. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good, <coughs> such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So Paul says, don't, don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, 
Only that which is good for building up the other person. Edification. So that it may minister or give grace to those who hear. So the idea is, instead of tearing down, we build up. Instead of getting even or something like that, we give grace. So Jesus says, for example, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Stephen does likewise as they're stoning him to death, like the Lord. So, don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but just what is good for edification, that it may give grace to the hearer. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I think those things are tied together. I don't think he just shifted to a different subject. And a lot of times it gets treated that way. But all, all, all through here, he's talking relational, how we're to relate to one another, how we're to live the new life in Christ. And, and it's about people, and it's about building up people and giving grace. You know, we talk a lot about being conduits of grace. That's what he's talking about, extending grace just like we receive. And then he says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit, implying that if we don't do that, it grieves the Holy Spirit. What were you going to say, Lester? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, very good. Very good. Right. So don't grieve the Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. You notice he's not leaving a lot of, <laughs> a lot of a room. For, he's not leaving a lot of loopholes here. You say, well, but what about, you know, what about with my spouse or what about with my son or what about with my well minister grace give grace to the hearer speak edification to one another all of us <laughs> let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice be kind to one another and here's the one we were working toward be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, up, up to this point, I mean, you might, you know, if you're slick enough, or, you know, we might find a loophole up to this point, maybe. But then when he says this, like I say, he's, he's raised the bar now as high as it'll go. There's, there's no squirm room around this. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Amen. Very good. Very good. And that's what you see in the Gospels, don't you? I mean, no matter, no matter how stupid the, the disciples get, <clears throat> Jesus responds in, in, in a way that, that builds them up. You know, he responds for their edification. He's, he gives grace. And he's always forgiving. He, he's always about building them up 
strengthening them. Oh, sure, I mean, you'll see some sharp rebukes um, sometimes, but, uh, but still, that what he has in view there is their edification, them being built up, them being stronger, them being more like him. He's tender-hearted. He's kind. He's forgiving. If he wasn't, <laughs> we'd, all, we'd all be wiped off the face of the earth. There wouldn't be any hope for any of us. All right, so that's the standard. That's the standard that we have for dealing with other people. First Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree, and this, is, this gets back to, uh, um, this has both here. This, this also gets back to, what we were saying earlier about our our, uh, our forgiveness being uh, being in the atoning work of Christ, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. <laughs> what a what a word that is. He died. He paid the price. He forgave our sin, so that we might live to righteousness. Not so that we would just go on being as we were, but so that we may be holy as He is holy. Colossians 3. This is another one that's just surrounded by a lot of good stuff here. Well, they all are, really. But um, Colossians 3, <clears throat> 12. Oh, hang on just a second. <clears throat> I think I skipped over something here that I had in my... Okay, Colossians 3. Um, similarly here, Paul is, in, you know, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's talking, trying to raise our sights. So you look back in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Amen. Me and Brother Attaway were kind of talking about that a minute ago, something along those lines anyway. Um, so, verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So he's come, all comes right back to relationships again. So, verse 12, put on then 
as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. That is, he says, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So there again, there's the standard. And above all, verse 14, and above all, above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of God, notice this too, you know, when we were in Ephesians, pointed out that right there in the, in the middle of all of that, Paul says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And, and that's, the, that's because of what he was saying. In other words, he's implying, if, if you don't do these things, if, we, if you don't um, relate rightly, and you don't love one another, you don't forgive one another, you're not patient with one another and meek and so forth, then you're grieving the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Similarly here, in the middle of all this, he says, um, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, the implication is, if you live this way, the peace of Christ will reign in your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So, um, you hear a lot of talk a lot of times about um, people wanting peace. Wanting, I mean, who doesn't, right? I, I do. And, and people are quick to, to uh, jump on that bandwagon if you say, you know, could you use more peace? Yes, I need peace. I want peace. Well, I mean, the Scripture's telling us how to have it. At least this is part of, part of how to have it. Of course, it, it all, you know, we have to trust God, trust Christ. And part of that trusting Him is living the way that He's instructed for us to live. And, and so here, He ties it into um, right relations with people. Being forgiving, being meek, and so forth. Being patient, being humble, bearing with one another in love, and so forth. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I think here too is kind of a kind of a, a how-to. In other words, how, how, is, how, is, how can we accomplish, how can we do all this? How can we live all this? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, it, it is, you're so full of the word of God that it governs your actions. Governs what you do. So somebody does you wrong, and, and your response is governed by the Word of God. So in, in, instead of wanting to get even, you want to give grace. I mean, that, that's where we want to be. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Um, there's great, the great uh, parallel passage for that in, in Ephesians is where 
Um, and, and the wording is very, very similar. There, Paul says, be, be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. And he describes it essentially the same way that he describes being full of the Word here. So it, it's, it's, uh, they're synonymous. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Word. All right, so um, the next little star here, or diamond on the, on the sheet, Jesus warns us of consequences for failure to forgive. This is another thing that I think, as Christians, a lot of times we don't um, pay enough attention to. Uh, and, and Matthew 6, I'm going to go to Matthew 6. Verse 12, and this too is in uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount where we're being instructed how to live in this world, how the children of the kingdom live in this world. And verse 12 is in the middle of what we call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Interesting wording, isn't it? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Kind of puts a, um, a condition on there. For, we're, I mean, we're praying, forgive, if we pray as Jesus said here, forgive as I have forgiven. And, um, well, in fact, let me, let me read on down a little bit here. Verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the rest of the prayer. And then he says in verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Very strong, strong words from the Lord there. Similarly, um, Luke's account, I've got listed there, Luke 11, 4. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Matthew 18. There's a whole section here <coughs> devoted to this topic. Quite a bit here. Uh, that's Matthew 7. I, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matthew 7 and 1. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you get that one quoted to you a lot. <laughs> when you're witnessing. <laughs> or something like that. Or if you say something like it's wrong, like homosexuality is wrong or, or whatever, you know, you, you'll hear that one. 
Yeah, I think it's probably the the most quoted verse, at least by people who aren't necessarily Christians. Okay, <laughs> Matthew 18, um, 21. Then Peter came up. This is one of those places <laughs> where, <laughs> where Peter's interacting with the Lord. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him. You know what? Here, the, the Lord had just given instruction about, we, we use this a lot in terms of church discipline because what, what the Lord is doing here is, is talking about what you do. If a brother sins against you, there are certain steps you take. First, you go to them in private. If they still don't repent, then you, then you take um, one or two witnesses with you and you try to persuade them. Both times, you know, if, if, if they do repent, then it's over, you know, it's, everything's good. But if they still refuse to repent, to repent after you bring witnesses, other witnesses, then you take it before the church, the Lord says. And ultimately, if they still refuse to repent, then Jesus says in, uh, in verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, that, uh, tell it to the church, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In other words, like an unbeliever. So Jesus walks, um, walks through these steps. Here's how, here's how you respond when someone um, sins against you. Now, Peter says in verse 21, how, how many times I got to do that? You know, what, what Peter's looking for, <laughs> he wants to cut off Right, where he can say, okay, enough's enough. And, uh, you know, may, maybe, maybe once, I mean, that would probably really been good to him. Or, you know, maybe at the most two, maybe three times. And then, uh, you know, we can just do whatever. You know, we, can, we can write them off, we can have them stoned, or whatever it is we need to do. Call fire down from heaven. And uh, chop off the ear. <laughs> chop off the ear. <laughs> yeah. And Peter thinks he, I'm sure, he, he thinks he's being generous here. As many as seven times? And, you know, should we, should we forgive him as many as seven, as seven times? And verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70, 77 times. Well, um, I think Jesus is using hyperbole there. In other words, he's not... He's not Meaning, not being literal with that number, but what he's saying is, um, you need, you need to think a, a lot more times than you're thinking, Peter, and you need to stretch it way on out there, um, and uh, be a lot more forgiving than you're thinking about being. Um, so, <laughs> Peter, Peter is thinking, you know, you, you get to some point where it's finally revenge is finally justified. And I think the Lord, what the Lord is saying with his answer there is, no, you don't. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I shall repay. So we don't, we, revenge is not our responsibility. Even vindicating ourselves really is not our responsibility. Um, I think I told you all before, there was a, one of the incidents that took place that resulted in Jonathan Edwards. You've, if you've heard of Jonathan Edwards, who was 18th century American pastor, theologian, uh, one of the incidents that resulted in his being 
uh, terminated, fired from his church, was uh, a guy spreading lies. And someone who knew the truth asked Edwards why he, why he didn't, why don't you try to vindicate yourself? And he'd been pastoring there 23 years, by the way, uh, when he was fired. And uh, he asked him why he didn't vindicate himself. And he said, he said, God will move heaven and earth to vindicate me. <laughs> and he, and, he, and he's done that too, by the way. But the truth came out. In fact, the, even the guy who, who told the lies came out later and, and admitted that he was slandering him. But he wasn't going to defend himself. He didn't, it, he didn't think that, uh, that he should do that. Um, God has all that under control. He's got the forgiveness thing under control or, or the judgment thing under control. I remember years ago, uh, it was, I think it was when I first, or when we, we hadn't been up in Germantown very long. I came here one night to hear Brother Carl preach. You, you probably heard me tell this before too, but I just thought, I thought he said this so well. Um, I don't even remember what his main topic was. But he was basically saying, if someone offends you, what are you, and, you know, what are you going to add to what the Lord does? In other words, let's just say this person who offends you, let's say they're a Christian and, or, or you know, they may, be, may not be at the time, but they may become a Christian later, and all of their sins are paid for at Calvary by Christ. What are you going to add to that, Brother Carl said? What are you going to add to the work of Christ that covered their sin? Um, or, you know, what, 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 what did he do that wasn't enough to satisfy you? What did Jesus do at the cross that wasn't enough to satisfy you for the offense made against you? On the other hand, let's say they never become a Christian and that person who offends you winds up spending eternity in hell. What are you going to add to that? That's God's righteous judgment against that person. What are you going to add to that that God doesn't already take care of? Anyway, thought that was... In part. Yeah. Yeah. right amen <laughs> amen so either way there's nothing if if they're saved their 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 sins are covered by christ there's nothing you know we shouldn't demand anything more than what christ has done and if they're lost we shouldn't demand any more than what god is doing he's 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 exacting a just penalty so
Amen. Yeah. Really? Mm. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Very good. Amen. All right. This this little section here, I was just going to note. I, I don't. I won't take the time to read through it. But you notice how Jesus follows that up. Um, it's with the uh, the servant who was forgiven much, but uh, would not forgive a fellow servant. And then and then Jesus winds up saying in verse thirty four, Matthew eighteen thirty four. Uh, this is part of the parable. In anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And then he says, "So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your." heart so very strong <coughs> strong warning um, sure That's hitting the nail on the head right there. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. That's right.
Amen. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a lot of things we, we tend to allow. <coughs> In other words, we just don't view it as, as bad as it really is, you know, like harboring something like that. We, 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 will, we, we tend to look at um, other people's sins or sins that, 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 are, that we consider to be, uh, you know, you, you take something like homosexuality. That's a big topic in our society today. Well, we, we, it's easy a lot of times for us to look at something like that and see how wrong it is, how bad it is. Um, you know, think of it in terms of an, uh, an abomination. But we have a hard time looking inside ourselves and, and seeing our own sin that same way. Just something as simple as like you were just talking about, un, unforgiveness or, uh, you know, just being spiteful or... Like, like Wendy was talking about, being so prideful that, you, that I can't forgive. I, I was listening to a uh, little podcast by John Piper today. It was, re, it was really good. He was talking, uh, the title of it was uh, Make War on Pouting. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was really good because what, what he was saying, he had, he had taken a, uh, uh, and I remember this, it was a couple years ago, he had taken a, a sabbatical because he said he, he, he had some, things he needed to deal, deal with, he wanted to pray about, and he took, I think it was 10 months, sabbatical. Anyway, the, the, the interviewer was asking him about some, some of the things that came out of that. He, and he said, here's one thing. Um, he said, all my adult life, 
uh, he said, I've struggled with um, um, lust in the sense of like sexual lust, you know. And so he said, I have fought that battle ferociously, you know, just, just um, by the grace of God, you know, just, just as the Scripture commands us to, you know. Um, so he, he said, you know, just gone at it with everything to, to, to avoid temptation and, and to fight it and, and so forth. He said, what I realized on this sabbatical was that there were things in my life like, like pouting, or being used, used the term earlier, disgruntled, being disgruntled, stuff like that. And he said, I, I'm not putting up hardly a fight at all. And he said, I'm, you know, the Lord began to, sh- he said, the Lord began to show me, you know, why are, why are you fighting this so hard, which was a good thing to do, you know, fighting the temptations, the lust temptations. But, you know, you're not, you're not concerned about, you know, you, you come in and he said, I come home, you know, my wife doesn't treat me exactly like I think she ought to or whatever, and so I go off and to the den and get by myself and, you know, pouting or whatever. And he said, uh, you know, the bottom line is just don't think it's really that bad compared to something like lust. But it is bad, and it is sinful, and it does need to go. You know, it's stuff we were just reading about right here. So a lot of times we just, you know, things like that, we just think, you know, eh, that's not so bad. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, that's, I'm, I'm not at my best when I'm doing that, but it's not like I'm committing adultery or it's not like I'm committing homosexual, homosexual acts or something like that. We just, we just don't think it's so bad. So, so we allow it. And, we can, and that's easy to do with, with stuff like this, you know, not, not forgiving as we ought, not, not speaking edification, you know, not, not being intentional about speaking edification rather than just letting cor- the corruption of our heart flow through our, through our lips. Um, seeking, always seeking the good of others, esteeming, like Wendy was talking about, esteeming others higher than ourselves, which the Scripture commands us to do. But those things, you know, it's, it's, you think, well, hey, you know, I'm not drinking, I'm not running around with my wife, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. Ah, I've got it pretty well. Pretty well handled. <laughs> how do you perceive that? <laughs> how, how do you, how, what, what does that mean? <laughs> Is that a good thing? <laughs> always, always seek good. Seek their good. Okay, real quick here on these last two. Um, Mark eleven twenty five, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. And Luke 6, 37, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Again, strong, strong words, strong words to remember. Um, strong warnings from the Lord. On, on how we are to uh, act and conduct ourselves. Forgive, in a, you know, in a, in a simple phrase, you know, from the Lord, freely you have received, freely give. I mean, we, uh, if we're truly born again, then, then we know God's grace. We know the blessedness that David talked about when he said, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. Because our sin is taken away, and so we can 
we can extend that grace to others and however they sin against us, forgive. Forgive. And just seek to edify them. Well, wanting him to stay in prison does not necessarily have anything to do with forgiveness. <laughs> I'd want him to stay in prison too, but that's that's where he needs to be. Um, but uh, yeah, you can you can you can forgive. And in fact, Matthew 18, you know, Jesus says, "Here's what you do. This is discipline." That doesn't mean you're not forgiving the person. No, you you still forgive the person. Um, you still you still even even through the course of the uh, the disciplinary action laid out there. That can be done in a, in a graceful manner. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have any, you wouldn't have any category for it. Uh, if, if we should, to some extent, though, uh, I mean, I mean, because we ought to understand something about what we've been forgiven of. Not, it's not to say that that would make that kind of thing easy, but I, but I'm just saying. But, but we do at least have a category for it. We, under, we, we should understand something about um, what it means to be forgiven when you deserve death, when you deserve wrath. Let's pray. Yeah, eat you up. Yeah, I, that's true. And it, right. Mm. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word and thank you for giving us this time together to uh, consider these things. And Lord, we're, we're so thankful that you not only um, call us to, to live this way, command us to live this way, but you empower us to live this way by your Spirit within us and, and by your Word that you've given to us. And so, Father, we pray, increase our understanding, increase our trust in you, and, Lord, um, fill us with your Spirit that we may uh, indeed live in this world in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've called us.
your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.